that feeling when you got enough sleep, had a great workout, you're killing it at work, everything is just going right. Look at me. I'm Black Superman. Hey fam, welcome to another episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Larry. This week has been another kind of shorter week at the movies. Uh, I only have two that I saw that I'm going to be talking about this week. Uh, but I think both of them are enjoyable for vastly different reasons. Uh, one is the continuation of a big budget franchise the other is a much more intimate intimate um, film project this week i'm going to be talking about the fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw and the farewell So the first film that I'm going to be talking about this week is uh, Hobbs and Shaw or The Fast and the Furious present Hobbs and Shaw, uh, a spinoff from the Fast and the Furious film franchise starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham as the titular Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, basically, this film takes their two characters who more or less started off at odds. Um, and uh, I guess a spoiler for the last um, the last film in the franchise, uh, Jason Statham's Shaw character had to kind of help out the uh, Fast and Furious gang. And so uh, even though he and The Rock do not like each other, they in this film are forced to work together to uh, stop this evil virus from falling into the wrong hands. Um, it is a, you know, kind of by the numbers action buddy flick where your two main protagonists do not like each other, but are forced to work together and eventually inexplicably learn to like each other. And, and I say inexplicably because the, the one major thing that I would have to say about this movie, because let me just kind of set the table up front. It's hard to review a film like this because obviously it's not, it's not like good, but it's, it's, it's fulfilling a need. Like, I mean, I'm going to be real. Like sometimes you just need some dumb action. And while this movie is a bit too long, uh, two hours plus of, you know, just over the top action is is kind of exciting and enjoyable to experience, though at, at times it, it did feel a little overwhelming, to be honest. Um, but yeah, one of the kind of major things with this film is so like, obviously, 
you know, Jason Statham and The Rock have really good chemistry with one another. Um, their barbs going back and forth are funny for a bit. Um, it does get a little tired within the film. Um, it just, honestly, it felt like they were losing steam after a while. And as many other reviewers I've heard have pointed out, it, it just feels like it ends up being some boys in the schoolyard who are literally just like figuring out anything that they can say about the other one to get a rise out of them. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of the, the challenge with this film, because it's like, while I do enjoy it for the most part, I, I got a little tired of the kind of constant back and forth bickering uh, between the two, mostly because some of it just stopped being funny after a while. It was like, all right, like we get it. Um, but at the same time, you know, part of my other issue with that is they didn't really build in that they're growing together kind of portion, you know, like, you know, when you watch something like Lethal Weapon, you know, Riggs and Murtaugh start to like each other. And even though they might have started off at odds as this like really strange pairing, um, and I feel like we we don't get the gradual okay we're starting to like each other we're starting to be okay with each other's company it literally goes from we hate each other's guts but we're working together you know to fulfill this mission um to you're my brother you know we're we're in this together you know especially considering that in the previous films you know, Jason Statham's shot uh, character was literally a mass murderer. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's all it's a lot to kind of take it. And, and again, like I know it's a it's a Fast and the Furious spinoff movie, so there's gonna be some of that that's a little bit harder to digest, but at the same time, you know, you would really hope that you're not kind of struggling with that um going through this film. Um Outside of, of, of The Rock and, and Jason Statham, you know, obviously the, the action is, as I mentioned, over the top. There are some ridiculous fight scenes that are just completely impossible, uh, but at the same time are really enjoyable. Um, this film, you know, I, I know this sounds cliche, but this film knows what it is and it leans into that. And I think it leans into it in a really fun way. Um, everything is, is shot well. Um, while I would like the camera to be drawn back in some of the action sequences, I think they are framed properly. Uh, for the most part, I, I think it's an exciting film and they, you know, some of the stuff they do, I, I was like, that's really fun or really cool or really silly, but I, but I like it. Um, and, you know, I think with that, you know, uh, part of partial criticism, partial, you know, hey, you can hand wave it off is, you know, these films, you have to suspend disbelief. You know, The Rock is doing stuff that no normal man can do. And so while he may be fighting, you know, essentially a super soldier, he himself and Jason Statham along with him are both kind of super soldiers in their own right. And they're doing stuff that would kill most other people. There is literally a scene where The Rock should have been dead within the first half of this movie, but you kind of just look past it uh, because that's the kind of film this is. You know, he is a larger than life presence 
And so it's like they're giving him, you know, larger than life, ridiculous things to do. So which which kind of makes me wonder, like, why did they feel the need to make this, you know, villain that they're facing off against a, a super soldier? They don't really need to do so, especially since, you know, you're showing me uh, regular people who are capable of doing some some really supernatural things. Um you know, but that said, uh, you know, the film isn't all Jason Statham and The Rock. There are two other kind of central performances within this film coming from Vanessa Kirby, who plays uh, uh, Jason Statham's sister in the movie, which is really odd considering the ludicrous age difference between the two people in real life. Uh, but they're supposed to be just a few years apart in age. Um, something that like probably wouldn't bother most people. Just if you think about it, that's when it gets really weird. Um, but uh, I actually think she does a really good job in this film. Um, she does a, a she's delivers a, a really good performance uh and you know it kind of made me want to see her in a few more things um if i remember correctly she was in the latest mission impossible movie uh which i had kind of remembered her from she didn't have the largest role uh in that as far as i can recall um but i, I think she's someone who you know could definitely uh, be good. I, I mean, again, like this is kind of a silly movie to be in, but at the same time, I thought she did a, a pretty good job. Uh, the other, the other good performance, um, at least in my opinion was Idris Elba. Um, you know, sure. I, I love him in almost everything that I see him in. He is charismatic. He is charming. He is fun. I, I think he makes a gr good villain. He's got this kind of tiredness, uh, but also this cockiness that uh, is a lot of fun to watch on screen. And just the way that he plays off of both um, Jason Statham and The Rock is a lot of fun. Um, you know, and again, you know, obviously this isn't, you know, this isn't Shakespearean work that he's given. It's not Luther. It's not The Wire, um, you know, but at the same time, I think he does a pretty good job with the material that he's given um, up to a certain point. I mean, like, obviously, you know, you can't turn every turd into gold, but I think he does a pretty good job with what he's given. Um, other things that I can say about this film, you know, again, you know, not wanting to spoil anything. Um, there are some really funny cameos, um, some that I didn't really expect, uh, and it made me kind of want to go back and rewatch some of the other films just to see if there was something that I had missed in those. But um, there are two very specific ones that are kind of hard to miss. Uh, one is uh, deeply involved in the post credit scene of the film. Uh, and I imagine will have something to do with the future of the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff because I could be wrong about this. I haven't done a whole lot of reading on it, but uh, from my understanding, um, because of the relationship between The Rock and Vin Diesel, I think Hobbs and Shaw is their way to kind of do some stuff with The Rock within the Fast and Furious universe without making him play against Vin Diesel. Could be wrong about that. We could see something completely different than that in Fast 9 or Fast and Furious 9, Furious 9, whatever they end up calling it. Um, but I'd be really interested to see that. Yeah, but the, the two cameos, I thought both were funny for different reasons. Um, and they are definitely people that I would like to see in this universe. 
just because I think what Hobbs and Shaw does a bit more successfully than the other Fast and the Furious movies, it's like this is by like this is clearly supposed to be their like action buddy comedy arm of the Fast franchise. Um, and if it can stick with that, if it can bring that kind of energy, I think it's something that would be really interesting. Um, one of the things that I did think was cool in this film is they did have some of the zany kind of stuff that you would expect from Fast and Furious movies. Um, unfortunately, like I think a lot of it was shown in the trailer, just thinking back on it. Um, some of the best parts of that se the sequence that I'm thinking of were shown in trailers. So um, if you've been able to dodge trailers, you'll probably still have a lot of fun with it. It's still fun within the movie just because of how ridiculous it is, but it's the kind of thing that you have gotten used to uh, the Fast and the Furious doing. And so being able to see it pop up in here, even though this film is a spinoff, was a lot of fun. So um you know, again, uh, for my highbrow film lovers, you're probably going to hate this film. You're going to say that it's everything that's wrong with cinema and it's the reason why we can't have nice things. Um, and, you know, while you're not completely wrong, I think there is space for these fun movies. Um, and, you know, like myself, what I try to do every week is, yeah, I'm going to go see a big budget sequel or reboot or you know whatever it may be but i try to offset that by also seeing films that are made by you know directors that we haven't heard of or that aren't a part of a franchise and and i think that's something that's really important for us to do as we're kind of looking at cinema you know yeah like we can support the big thing but if we support the small thing as well both are getting made. Um, now, and this is just like a micro rant that I kind of want to go on because, um, you know, obviously uh, last week I talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, and since then, because I generally don't read a whole lot or listen to a whole lot of people reviewing films or talking about films before I record this, one of the things that kept coming up um, with some of the film uh, podcasts that I listened to is the idea that, you know, what's what's great about Tarantino and this film is that it's this original work. And I, and I talked a little bit about this last week um, in a sea full of reboots and sequels and everything like that. And while I do agree that it is important to have, you know, those original films, it's not like original films stopped coming out um you know you just thinking about the number of independent films and things like that that are that are released you know sure they're not big budget they're not something that's at the scale of something like once upon a time in hollywood but at the same time if we support those films maybe one day those directors will be able to you know get the bankroll to produce something at that scale so i'm, I'm just gonna leave that at that it's just something that was kind of on my mind as i was thinking about this you know big budget sequel that i'm sure tons and tons of people are complaining about the fact that it exists um but again i had fun with this film um i know it's not going to be for everybody i know it's going to be too lowbrow for some i know you know the obviously the action isn't necessarily on par with something like john wick it's going for something completely different um there's a certain 
I mean, like, like, let's be real. Like I talked about it a little bit earlier, but Jason Statham and The Rock are superheroes in this film. And this is a superhero movie. I mean, uh, there's no other way to look at it. And, you know, if you like superhero movies where your characters don't have costumes, they don't have capes, uh, this might be for you. Um, but again, you know, it's a it's a it's a good enough buddy action comedy. If that's what you're looking for, I think you might have a good time with this one. So the other film that I saw this week uh, was a new independent film uh, from director Lulu Wong, uh, starring Aquafina called The Farewell. And basically the premise of this film is that a young woman named Billy um, is uh, kind of her world is rocked uh, when she finds out that her grandmother is uh, dying from an advanced uh, case of lung cancer uh, and her family uh, basically decides to lie to the grandmother uh, you know so rather than telling her that she is dying you know just going and and celebrating a a fake wedding um you know or they they plan a wedding in order to uh spend time with her and so you know that's kind of the that's kind of the underpinning of this film uh and i think it's a really beautiful exploration of grief and the way that we process grief but also what we do as as family members to kind of hold it together when we know that something bad is imminent, um, when we know that uh, things aren't exactly as you know we need them to be, what do we do to put on a brave face and um, kind of contend with you know something that we see as inevitable? And I I really I really dug that about this movie it wasn't afraid to shy away from you know kind of those hard questions about is this right you know is this right what does this do to the person that we're lying to what does it do to us what does it do to those around us how do we kind of come to terms with those feelings how do we wrestle with it um, and I just thought all around it was it was beautiful. The cinematography was great. The performances were were wonderful. You know, one of the things that I that I found really interesting is, you know, while Aquafina, you know, I, I can hear a criticism that people would have about this film is that, you know, her expression was somewhat one note and. I, I would have to disagree with that because I think there is a subtlety to that performance and looking at the the kind of challenge that this character is going through and how they're trying to come to terms with not only, you know, the, the, the potential loss of this person who is an integral piece of their life. Um, I think they do a really good job of illustrating uh, her relationship with her grandmother, um, but also with this, you know, tenuous connection to life in China. Uh, one of the things that I 
kind of kind of left out is just the fact that this film uh, almost entirely takes place in China and is almost entirely in uh, Mandarin. And, you know, the fact that Aquafina's character is struggling to speak the language and to navigate that environment because they haven't been there in in years um that comes across in the film and so there's that challenge you know her cousin uh is living in japan and has a girlfriend who only speaks japanese so like watching her just kind of on the outs of this entire situation because she literally has no idea what's being said except for what's translated to her. Um, it's all just so interesting. And, um, you know, again, it's just, it's just, it's beautifully shot, beautifully performed. Um, I was, I was really amazed by, by this film, uh, mostly because, you know, again, we don't, we don't generally get films that center other cultural experiences in the way that this does. You know, oftentimes, you know, we we try to couch them in a, you know, in a Anglo perspective, you know, or a Western perspective to make it kind of more palatable. Um, and, you know, while that, exists to the lightest extent um this film isn't really necessarily concerning itself with that um you know while you may not know or understand you know some of the cultural practices that you're being shown on screen this film is not going to hold your hand and say, you know, let me explain all of this to you. And I think that's something that's that's really great to see on screen because I think all too often, you know, there is that that need to or or at least for like, you know, bigger studio films, there's that requirement that we have to explain everything that's going on here. And I really appreciate that this film doesn't feel the need to do that. A couple other performances that I really want to point out within this film that I thought were kind of brilliant. Um, first, um, I have to say that uh, the woman who played Nai Nai, uh, or the grandmother, uh, Shuzhen Zhao, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if I say any of these names wrong. Um, was was brilliant. Um, she was invigorating, and you know, no matter what language a grandmother is speaking, if you can watch a film and kind of see a member of your own family in that, you know, an older member of your own family, I, I think that is a, a wonderful, wonderful performance. And so, you know, just just thinking about it, while there might be cultural differences in the way that we approach things, just the interactions felt so familiar in a sense. And it was really, it was really beautiful to see. So like, you know, for obviously the, the interactions between Nai Nai and Billy, being like the main kind of uh, through point for this film, um, just those scenes were were delivered so beautifully, and just the small interaction between uh, Aquafina and and Shuzhen Zhao in this film were just just 
amazing. Uh, Zayma uh, is, he plays Bibi's father and, you know, he has been in pretty much everything. That man, his IMDB page is ridiculous at this point. Um, some of the things that you might have seen him in recently, he's been in Veep, uh, Silicon Valley, um, a bunch of other shows that you've seen. Um, he's also going to be in the upcoming Mulan. Uh, I believe I could be wrong about this, but I believe he's going to be playing Mulan's father. Um, but yeah, he, again, he's another person who has like a very understated performance in this film, uh, but he does such a good job. Um, and just like his expressions, his delivery, I, I, I feel like this is the, you know, one of the things that, that I, I heard someone else talking about is just the fact that this is the first time that he's really been given a character with a, a really fleshed out story and, and history and and i think it shines through and his performance you know as someone who is in the process of trying to hold it together and put on a brave face for his family um but having those cracks still show underneath i think he does such a good job there um and uh playing his wife uh diana diana lynn uh she is just just amazing i think she offers you know again like it's, it's it's this great performance and her interactions with everybody are incredible she has this amazing scene um uh when the family is at dinner arguing with a relative and you know for so many people while the content of that argument may be different depending on your cultural experience we have all been there and we've all kind of seen that argument play out in one way or another. And I just thought her performance in her role was, was so, so good. Um, so, you know, really, uh, this, this film all around, you know, it's built on the performances. It's the cinematography is fantastic. The music is fantastic. It's sweeping. It'll, it'll wrap you up. Um, definitely I would suggest seeing it with an audience if you can, um, especially a, a, a diverse audience, you know, being able to see what different people react to in the theater around you is, is something that I think will carry this film, uh, incredibly far because there are certain things, you know, again, that not everybody may understand, but being able to watch someone else respond to those things that you don't understand, you know, one, that it's, it's a clear mark of authenticity, but at the same time, it allows you to kind of gain a cultural insight that you may not have had. And I think that's the important thing with films like these to expo expose yourself to something that you don't normally watch or engage with or know um, and see what you can learn from that experience rather than just kind of playing it off because you don't get it. Um, but yeah, that's it for another week. I'll be right back.
So fam, I hope you enjoyed my reviews for The Fast and the Furious Presents, Hobbs and Shaw, and The Farewell. Uh, what do you think? Do you agree with me on these films? Do you disagree? Are there things that you would have loved to see done differently in either of them? Uh, were there things that stood out about these films that I did not talk about? Obviously, I don't talk about spoilers here, um, but, you know, maybe at some point I might do a an, an end of the summer roundup where I get into some quicker spoilery thoughts about some of these films because um, I think these are definitely two that I would want to revisit and speak more in depth on if I have the opportunity to um, again both for very different reasons um, and yeah so um, as always if you want to give me some feedback if you have a question that you want to ask if you just disagree with some of my thoughts hit me up on social media at LarryTron pretty much everywhere you are on social media at um, if you want to send me an email you can do so by sending an email to Larry at lm2photo.com um, and other than that, you know, as I've been telling you for the last few weeks, I am now a part of the Hard NOC, Hard Knock Media Collective. Um, and as such, I'm a part of the, you know, media and podcast arm of the Nerds of Color, which is basically your home on the internet and on social media for all things nerdy through the perspectives of people of color. Um, they have a lot of great other podcasts on there, like Hard Knock Life, which is the flagship podcast for the nerds of color. Uh, you have stuff like DC TV Classics that looks at the uh, basically the ways that DC Comics made their foray into television back in the day, uh, as well as stuff like Southern Fried Asians that looks at the experience of Asian Americans in the U.S. South. So definitely check out some of the podcasts there, hardnocmedia.com. Um, and yeah, that does it for another week. Stay watching Mondays at the movies. Um, like I've said the past couple of weeks, I am in the process of scheduling out recordings for the normal version of the podcast, which I am hoping to get back to releasing this fall. Um, once everybody is, you know, back from vacations and the summer movie season has slowed down. Um, I can't believe it's August already, uh, but just hold in there. September is right around the corner and normal episodes will be returning soon. So as always, I will talk to you again soon, fam. Stay watching. Peace.